Our colleague Deepasi Tharaman has been writing about Facebook for about five years, and she's never seen anything like what's happening there now. Current employees are speaking out against Facebook's CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, and some are even publicly quitting. You know, normally Facebook employees are a really loyal bunch. You know, they don't like to take discussions outside of the family. The cause of the turmoil? The company's response to recent posts by President Trump. It's one of the most serious challenges to Mark Zuckerberg's leadership since Facebook was founded 16 years ago. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Monday, June 8th. Coming up on the show, the debate within Facebook about how to respond to Trump's posts and what this upheaval could mean for the future of political speech on the platform. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. The turmoil Facebook finds itself in now is a big change from how the year started out, when the coronavirus pandemic made the company's services more important than ever. Typically, Facebook's usage rate spikes around the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve because people are posting selfies or messaging their friends. And suddenly, it was like the stroke of midnight every second. People were overloading the platform, and they were using services extremely aggressively. As more people were using Facebook, the company was also working aggressively to combat misinformation about the virus and getting praise for it. Coronavirus actually presented an opportunity for Facebook to escape the political cycle. I mean, they've been stuck there for years now, and suddenly there was an opportunity for them to turn the conversation around. And so Mark Zuckerberg was making sure that resources from the CDC and the WHO were high in people's feeds. He created a coronavirus information hub, and all of a sudden they were seen as this company taking all these steps to make sure that people are getting as much information about this virus as possible. All this work led to pretty high morale for employees at Facebook. And so they had problems at the time, but they felt like good problems, you know, like, okay, how do we make sure that we can withstand this level of demand? How do we make sure that we're putting the best information in front of people? You know, it wasn't perfect, but they were making strides and they were getting some good press about it. But all that changed two weeks ago when President Trump made his first of several posts on social media that caused a firestorm at the company. The first one went up on May 26th. The president tweeted, There is no way, zero, that mail-in ballots will be anything less than substantially fraudulent. Overnight, Trump tweeted again on the issue, writing, Mail-in voting will lead to massive fraud and abuse. Multiple studies have shown that mail-in voting fraud is rare and not widespread. Trump also made the claim on Facebook, but the two social media platforms responded very differently. Facebook kept it up, and they didn't fact-check it. They didn't put any type of additional information around it. 
And while Facebook let the post be, Twitter made a very different decision. On Twitter, they took the extremely unusual step of fact-checking it, meaning they put a little alert under it. Twitter, for the very first time, is fact-checking the president. And this is something highly unusual. The president sent out this tweet at 817 this morning, and I don't know if you can see, but at the bottom of the screen, it says, get the facts about mail-in ballots. If you click through, it says this claim is unverified, that there is no evidence of the kind of fraud that the president is talking about. This is when employees at Facebook started getting upset because the company has policies that specifically apply to situations like this. Last fall, the company said it would take a hands-off approach to political speech, but Facebook gave two scenarios when it would take down content from politicians. Facebook takes down politician speech when it breaks one of two rules. One, a rule around voter misinformation, and two, a call to violence. And for a lot of employees, they looked at that and said, hey, this is clear voter misinformation. Why aren't we taking it down? Mm -hmm. Because Facebook decided it didn't break that rule. After deciding not to fact-check the mail-in ballot posts, Zuckerberg also went on Fox News and explained why his company took a different path than Twitter. You know, I, I just believe strongly that uh, that Facebook shouldn't be uh, the arbiter of truth of everything that people say online. He says that Facebook doesn't think it should be arbitrating political speech, that political speech is the most scrutinized form of speech that exists. And so why is it Facebook's role to do that? Shouldn't Facebook be a place where politicians can say what they will and then other people can push back and duke it out? His preference is to allow more speech, not less. The day after Zuckerberg's interview, President Trump tested Facebook's rules again with a post about the growing protests in response to the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. The Post said that he had spoken with Minnesota's governor and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty, and we will assume control, but when the looting starts, the shooting starts. The phrase, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, dates back to 1967, when Miami's police chief used it to describe his aggressive policing strategy. And just like with the earlier posts about mail-in ballots, Twitter and Facebook responded very differently. Twitter takes the action, which is also very unusual for the company. They put it behind an interstitial that says, this is a tweet that's glorifying violence, but you have to click through that interstitial to see the post itself. You also can't retweet it, like it, or comment on it. So it's sort of frozen in place. Facebook again decided to leave President Trump's post untouched. Zuckerberg said that while he found the post, quote, deeply offensive, it didn't violate Facebook's policies. But many employees at Facebook disagreed with that interpretation. There are a lot of voices within the company who think that this absolutely violates that second rule we discussed around calls to violence. People's lives are at stake. And so within the company, there's an enormous outpouring of conversation and everyone is talking about this issue and all their different feelings. Facebook itself is a very open culture. You know, they have a weekly Q&A with Mark Zuckerberg and any employee can walk up and ask him any question. And there's a lot of internal debate that happens around very sensitive issues. You know, it's not a company that suppresses this type of debate, but Mm -hmm. 
even for a company like that, the level of frustration is very high. In the days that followed that second post, some Facebook employees decided to go public with their frustration. I can't think of a single time where I've seen a current Facebook employee air their grievances against the company on a public forum like Twitter. I have never seen that before. And it wasn't just one employee who did it. It was more than a dozen. At least two engineers publicly quit because of this decision. This is from one of the engineers. He writes, Mark always told us that he would draw the line at speech that calls for violence. He showed us on Friday that this was a lie. Wow. Was this letter illustrative of the kinds of things that other employees were saying also? Absolutely. I'll read you one. I work at Facebook and I am not proud of how we're showing up. The majority of coworkers I've spoken to feel the same way. We are making our voice heard. Another one, Mark is wrong, and I will endeavor in the loudest possible way to change his mind. And last Monday, June 1st, more employees got involved. They coordinated a virtual walkout. I mean, everyone is home because, again, there's a pandemic still happening. So walking out isn't really an option, but what they all do is they all log off simultaneously. They take the day off and they say in their internal notes, you know, Black Lives Matter, and they make it clear that they're protesting the decision. We know that hundreds of people were in some of the groups trying to organize the walkout. And I want to put it in perspective. I mean, Facebook has a little over 48,000 employees. A large portion of these employees aren't participating in this debate, but this is a powerful minority and they're talking loudly about their feelings. In response to the walkout, Facebook said, quote, We recognize the pain many of our employees are feeling right now, especially our Black community. And so the virtual walkout, although relatively small in number, is a powerful signal because it's never happened before. Mm -hmm. Just like all this public criticism from current employees hasn't happened before. I mean, it's another extraordinary step for a company which values openness internally, and it indicates that people feel like they're not being heard. The day after the walkout, Zuckerberg did hear from employees at a company-wide town hall, and they also heard from him. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Welcome back. With a backlash building at Facebook, Zuckerberg decided to move up a regularly scheduled town hall to hear everyone out. 
So then they have this meeting on Tuesday. You know, it's after the walkout, after a couple people have publicly resigned from the company. And, you know, it's an almost 90-minute meeting where Mark Zuckerberg just feels all the questions that his employees have. Zuckerberg opened the meeting by explaining how the decision was made to keep up Trump's shooting and looting post. Zuckerberg was actually asleep when it was posted. He said he woke up the next morning to a memo from his policy team with a few possible ways to interpret the post and what the company could do about it. The policy team said one way to view it was as a description of a, quote, state use of force. So he says, because the president's post referenced the National Guard, Facebook read it as a warning about state action. And so, you know, the company leadership decided people needed to know if the government is planning to use force. So if the post is about a state use of force, it would be allowed to stay on the platform. The other, more contentious qualification the policy team wrote about was whether the post was an incitement of violence. If it was, then the post would need to be removed. But Zuckerberg said he just didn't think the post met that threshold. A transcript of the meeting was posted on the tech site Recode. He says, quote, The reference is clearly to aggressive policing, maybe excessive policing, but has no history of being read as a dog whistle for vigilante supporters to take justice into their own hands. And so there he's arguing that this statement, this phrase, doesn't amount to an explicit call for violence. And, you know, a lot of people disagree with him internally, but that's his explanation. So this policy report that Zuckerberg read in the morning after the post, it didn't convince him that it should be taken down. But Zuckerberg said he spent the rest of the day talking to people around the company, trying to figure out if there was any way to view Trump's message as an incitement of violence. And after those discussions, Zuckerberg said, quote, I couldn't get there. So the post stayed up. When employees had the chance to ask questions at the town hall meeting, one Facebook employee asked Zuckerberg which executives were involved in the decision about the post. Zuckerberg lists a bunch of people in senior leadership, including their head of diversity. And the employee asks, correct me if I'm wrong, but besides you know, the head of diversity, everyone you've listed is white, correct? And Mark says, that's correct. And this is a notable moment in this Q&A because it shows there isn't a particularly broad diversity of people making these decisions. You know, these aren't people who are personally affected by the comments from the president. And that was a pretty important moment mm -hmm. in the Q&A that kind of laid bare those dynamics. What was the sense that you got from talking to employees about whether they were satisfied with Zuckerberg's response? You know, our sense was the tone of the meeting was pretty serious. One person described to us that employees are deeply saddened. And I think there's a feeling of, you know, taking 90 minutes to answer employee questions was important, but there's still a lot of frustration about the decision. And a lot of people think that Facebook made the wrong call and is on the wrong side of history on this. Zuckerberg ended the meeting on a note about what he takes away from all the turmoil, which is that Facebook has a big role to play in this political moment. And he thinks that overall, Facebook is doing a good job. He makes this argument that Facebook on its own, he says, I feel like the net impact of the different things that we're doing in the world is positive. And I really believe it is. 
And I believe that we've given a lot of people a voice today that wouldn't have had otherwise. I think defending the ability to do that is often controversial and means standing up sometimes for things you disagree with personally. But I do think over time it's served our community well. Hmm. So he's essentially saying, yes, people can be upset about something that you're seeing from President Trump, but all in all, there's a benefit to everybody having a voice that they didn't necessarily have before. And to put a very fine point on it, yes, Facebook allows the president to say offensive things, but it's also a force that allows the video of George Floyd being killed by police officers to spread widely. And that shouldn't be discounted. What I find so interesting about this moment is how this is a precedent that is being set on these enormously important communication platforms. And the decisions that get made now will set the precedent for how we communicate and how politicians communicate on them for decades to come. And the wrestling with these decisions is happening right now before our eyes. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing moment. And it's one where we are seeing in real time, like, here's what the future of speech on the internet could look like. I mean, these are the most powerful companies. There are primary communications platforms. And we are seeing these policies being made and remade over time. And so... What's interesting about it is that the conversations around these types of decisions are being made largely inside the companies. How Facebook sets policy affects more than 2 billion people, the 2 billion people that use all of its different services. And the discussion is happening in a 90-minute session. There's some public debate about it, but the meat of these conversations is happening inside. On Wednesday, another social media company followed in Twitter's footsteps when Snapchat decided it would also put limits on Trump's posts by no longer promoting his account in the Discover section of its app. It said, quote, We will not amplify voices who incite racial violence and injustice by giving them free promotion. And on Friday, Zuckerberg said that Facebook would review some of its own policies on posts about voter suppression and state use of force. That's all for today, Monday, June 8th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.